How do we grow our current donors? Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and this is the first day from the Fundraising School. I'm joined today by a longtime faculty member of the Fundraising School, Eric Daubert, who is trained around the country and around the world, including helping nonprofits figure out how to work with their current donors to increase their fundraising success. So, Eric, Talk about growing donors. How do we do this? Yeah, what a great question. You know, one of the things that's exciting at the fundraising school is we talk about not only growing your existing donors, but also finding new donors. And how do we do that? Uh, Hank Rosso, of course, in his groundbreaking book, uh, Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, I think published in 1991, pointed out the constituency circle and the importance of bringing folks into your organizational universe so that you can do great work in philanthropy. As we look back on 2018 and some of the mega gifts uh, that really helped move the philanthropic needle in 2018, one story that comes to mind in this regard is the story of Michael Bloomberg. Okay. Michael made a, the largest gift to a higher ed institution in U.S. history of $1.8 billion. And it's really easy to get caught up and say, wow, $1.8 billion, Michael Bloomberg, wealthy philanthropist, look how that moves the needle of philanthropy. And, there, and there's truth in all of that story. The part of the story that most people miss is that uh, Michael Bloomberg was actually an alumni of Johns Hopkins University mm -hmm. in 1964, graduated in 1964. He actually made his first gift to the university in 1965 okay. of $5. Wow. So that, that growth path, that donor journey that is Michael Bloomberg's story, that $1.8 billion uh, tremendous mega gift that, we, that made the news in, in late 2018 really started with a $5 gift. So as I've been working with organizations uh, over the last year or so, it has become apparent to me the importance of those $5 gifts to philanthropy, not just in major gifts, but in growing the base of fundraising that turns into stronger annual campaigns and so many other facets of philanthropy across our development organizations. So there's something very important that's inherent in that story is that Hopkins must have stayed in touch with Michael Bloomberg from one year to the next. And if we receive a $5 gift, we might not uh, steward that as well in terms of record keeping and staying in touch. Sounds like that would be very important if we want to grow our donors. It likely was to Michael Bloomberg. Yeah. So again, as we look at uh, research data and research compilations that I've been able to be a part of over these last years, uh, one organization that I worked with called the Association of Donor Relations Professionals. Mm -hmm. We actually looked at high-performing fundraising organizations across the country, and one that comes to mind is actually the University of Georgia. Okay. So the University of Georgia, over the last six years, has incredibly grown their uh, philanthropy as an organization. Now, obviously, there are lots of variables that grow, grow, go into philanthropic growth, ranging from university leadership to campaign vision and so many other things. But a facet I really want to highlight here is that in 2014, the University of Georgia, as an organization, had about 39,000 donors okay. to their overall development program. Skip ahead to 2018, and they've got over 52,000 donors. Mm. Let me tell you another story about uh, a study I've been involved with at the Fundraising Effectiveness Project. One of the things we look at is as we create organizational averages around philanthropy, things like average donor retention in the country, average new donor retention, mm -hmm. average repeat donor retention. We create these metrics so that nonprofits can use that information to benchmark and mm -hmm. understand how mm -hmm. they're doing philanthropically. They can get those reports, by the way, for free at afpfep.org. Well, one of the things we did in kind of a, a side study was we said, you know, rather than looking at average, what if we looked at the highest performing organizations? What if we looked at the top 20% of nonprofit organizations in terms of fundraising growth? Okay. Said, what are they doing well? Well, what we found was not only are they doing the great, you know, things like new donor retention and repeat donor retention well, but they're also doing the, the things like growing their donor bases. 
So when we get into the fact that we're, you know, I think there's a lot of facets that go into this work. One thing that I think happens with uh, nonprofit organizations and development departments is, is as they focus on telling those great stories, as they focus on telling the, the great case and the great mission work that's being done to hopefully inspire those major gift donors, as they're creating their case for support, uh, the visioning work and strategic planning that often coincides with great campaigns and great campaign leadership and great campaign vision. Uh, as they're doing those things, it's almost like a magnet that draws others into the case, if well done, so that uh, the overall development organization grows, the overall donor population grows, the overall donor base grows, uh, and eventually they end up with more donors. So that, that's a theory based on some research and results but it outlines the importance of growing your donor base if you want to grow philanthropy long term. As we, as we work on philanthropy, one thing we often forget, you know, in today's world where 4% of donors are giving 76% of the money, that again is according to research done by the Fundraising Effectiveness Project on an organizational sample that starts with about 20,000 organizations, 4% of donors are giving 76% of the money to your typical nonprofit charity in our study. It's easy to forget about the 96% of donors who are only giving 24% of the money, and it's easy to take your eye off that ball. And as we do development work in our organizations, we need to remember that, yes, major gifts are important. Yes, major donors are important. But the, the trees of tomorrow are planted by the seeds of new donor relationships, um, new donors coming into the organizations, and the cultivation of existing relationships as donors move from a $5 gift, in Michael Bloomberg's case, in 1965, to a $1.8 billion gift in 2018 to Johns Hopkins University. And Eric, the examples that you mentioned, University of Georgia, mm -hmm. Johns Hopkins, sure. uh, Michael Bloomberg, $1.8 billion. Uh, there are folks listening to this podcast, watching this podcast, who might be saying, well, that's great. Those folks have armies of fundraisers to, to identify and spend time with folks like Michael Bloomberg. What if I'm that smaller nonprofit? What if I'm that fundraiser who's also the CEO, the fundraiser who's also the program director, the fundraiser who's also the CEO and the program director, and my budget's $250,000? How can I be part of this kind of high volume strategy of continually recruiting donors at any level, even at $5, and doing the proper cultivation and proper stewardship that's necessary, that as people continue to give to us, they're inviting us to invite them to make a higher gift, but what about the smaller organizations? What advice do you have for them? Yeah, what a great question. You know, for me, there's two things that come to mind really to address that, the, the key question that I think you ask. If I'm a small, how do I leverage resources to do the best development work possible for today, tomorrow, forever, mm -hmm. in the future of our organization? I think one thing is, is to all, never underestimate the power of human relationships and your inability to only have as many as you can have. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I think most nonprofit organizations underestimate is their ability to recruit and engage volunteers. Volunteers make the most for the most credible advocates for your nonprofit mission, and they also make for some of the most incredible storytellers. The number one uh, fundraising activity, or I'm sorry, the number one volunteer activity mm -hmm. in many states is actually fundraising, mm. even above uh, serving food at food pantries and things like that. So most people don't know it, but it's, 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 the it's in the top two by about 0.4%, as I recall, and this is a volunteering in America.gov statistic, as the top volunteer activity in the United States. So when you look at that, why, aren't, why isn't you know, your organization engaging more volunteers in fundraising? Get volunteers to help you tell the story, that's one thing. 
Another thing is, is use technology to help you build the base in personal ways. Hmm. What we always want to do in our fundraising efforts is have them be as personal as possible. And sometimes that means spelling my name correctly in a form letter. Hmm. And sometimes that means using uh, systems like artificial intelligence that are emerging to help segment de uh, donor databases. Now, if I only have a $250,000 budget, how I'm able to do that and what resources I'm able to bring to bear on that will be different. But the important thing is, is as you're building your base, use systems and processes to help people build personal relationships between them and the organization. You can do that using surveys. You can use that doing um, direct mail, insert, form letter appropriateness uh, around case. Uh, simple things that we can do around donor segmentation to make a donor feel special in the relationship, even though it might be a machine or a, an administrative assistant pushing out those processes. And again, at $250,000, if you look at a gift range chart, what you'd be asked to do is, do you have even one gift of $25,000, a 10% gift, or two 5% gifts, $12,500, or all three of those together, and suddenly we're off and running, and this high volume strategy of continually recruiting donors at any level, providing that type of stewardship ongoing uh, is a wonderful way to grow your nonprofit organization wherever your budget lands as you're doing your important work. And this is a key theme that runs through all of our courses, our certificate and fundraising management courses, such as principles and techniques of fundraising and major gifts fundraising, let alone capital campaigns and annual sustainability and planned giving that all lead to the CFRM. And if you are a smaller nonprofit, we have fundraising for small nonprofits. This course has been designed especially for you. And by small, we don't just mean budget, we really mean staff. And to just amplify what Eric just said, the key theme of that whole course is to not do this alone, but make sure you're engaging your board. If you do have staff, your volunteers, your donors, if appropriate, your beneficiaries, so that you're not playing all 40 instruments in the orchestra. Maybe you're still playing five or six, but now you're the conductor of this wider range of people who are helping you fundraise. We have the Certificate in Fundraising Leadership, other specialty courses, quarterly webinars, these free weekly podcasts, and just a wide range of resources that we can help you get your work done, all available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. With Eric Daubert, I'm Bill Stanjakovich, and now you are now more up to date on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm -hmm.